What's up, Four Points? Come on. I'm so excited to see y'all, to see your faces. Y'all just don't know. It is much better for my heart to preach to you than a camera screen. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> Cameras don't talk back to you. They don't smile. They don't frown. So, Because when y'all frown, I can tell that you don't like it. So at least I can know what I need to do, right? But I'm so happy to see you. And what about the student section, everybody? Come on. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I'm proud of y'all. Y'all are leading the way. The wave always starts in the student section. So I love it. I love it. I'm excited, y'all. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about this series. And for those of y'all that are nervous about this series because you think that I want your money or the church wants your money, it literally has nothing to do with that, this series. So you can take a deep breath. You're going to be surprised. This series is not about that. As a matter of fact, I'll just tell you quickly what this series is about is what we call Holy Week, which is the week leading up to Easter, leading up to Jesus' death on Friday and resurrection on Sunday morning. Um, there was a lot that Jesus discussed and did with money, and I felt like not too long ago, the Lord put it on my heart that I should teach through these things. So for five weeks, this week and then the month of June, I want to show you these because it's fascinating and it is very different than you probably think when it comes to money and when it comes to how God's told us to steward money and how our hearts should be. And today is very, very different than any money message I've ever preached in my life because it's not going to feel like a money message at all, everybody. So here's what I need from you. I need you to shout me down. I need you to high five, air high five, don't touch somebody, but air high five somebody and pretend you need to be MC Hammer today and say, can't touch this, but some of y'all young people, you don't understand it, but it's good for the old people in the house. But I'm super excited because we didn't plan this. March 15th was our last service in the building. We certainly continued to have service each week. But we didn't plan it on March 15th that May 31st would be our Sunday back, but this is Pentecost Sunday. And for those that don't know what Pentecost is, Pentecost, Pentecost Day, it just means 50. And it's 50 days after the Passover or what we celebrate, the resurrection or of, of Jesus, which is Easter. And what happened is the Holy Spirit fell, the Bible says in Acts 2, like fire from heaven. And so we don't celebrate it much. It's certainly not on our calendars like Easter is and it's not a big celebration. But I don't think it's by chance that we were able to come back on this Sunday that the church's birth took place. This is the birthday of the church. Easter's the birth of possibility because we could enter into salvation, but Pentecost is the day that the church could be birthed because it was the day that we who are not naturally Jewish could have a relationship with Jesus. If you're thankful for that, say yes. yes. I'm thankful too. I'm thankful too. And I'm not preaching on Pentecost today, but I'm believing across the country and around the world that Pentecost is going to show up. I'm not meaning Pentecostal like a denomination because I do not believe the Holy Spirit is a, a denomination, everybody. On any side, I believe he is a person that dwells inside of us. And this morning in my time with Jesus, I read John 16, it's better if I leave because a helper is coming. For some of us, that doesn't make sense, but I hope by the end of today it will. So I'm pumped and I'm excited and I'm ready to preach this message. So will you pray with me real quick? God, I believe you've given me a word. And I'm ready to spit and shout and sweat the Holy Ghost out of me. So hopefully someone can receive what you have. So God, 
if you can cause a donkey to speak in the Bible, certainly you can cause this craziness to speak in your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Y'all agreed that I'm one of them? That hurts my feelings. The title of today's message is Illegal Access. Illegal Access. I'm going to say illegal. I know what you're thinking. Illegal Access. Illegal Access. The word access may not mean much to you. We have a room called All Access where if your kids, if you're a volunteer and you have kids that come to the first service, the second service they get to go to All Access and they get to have amazing fun and we got some new stuff in there and it looks amazing. But the goal for us today is that we enter All Access, not with video games and Netflix and fun, but with the power of God on our lives, with freedom that we get to walk in, all access. That's the goal. But I think all of us know things that we would love access to. For example, for example, I know most of y'all probably aren't golfers just by looking over the room. I like to play golf. Yes, I'm being judgmental. You're welcome. By the way, the word prejudice just means prejudge, and I was just prejudiced against you not being golfers. Everybody, don't get mad at me. But just by looking around the room, I, I understand we have a few, but probably not the majority of the room. But, but I get to play golf from time to time, sometimes once a week, sometimes it's a little bit less than that. But there's one place that I would really love to play golf. That one place is called Augusta National. If you've ever heard of the Masters, back it up. If you've ever heard of Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all. He won this tournament last year, and I was doing fist pumps at the TV because I was so giddy because Tiger was back, right? But that's the course that if I could play any course in the world, I would want, what's this word? Access to that because it's amazing. Now, I've been on that course several times because I had a ticket to the Masters. But if I just walk up today and I say, I don't know if y'all know me, clackety clackety, but my name's Mark, right? And you should know me, and I'm going to play your golf course. What they would do is clackety clackety, <laughs> right? And they say, no, nah, no, nah, you ain't coming. And, I, and I've explored, I hope no one ever from Augusta sees this because they might ban me for life, because I'm going to play it in Jesus' name someday. But I've explored ways in. They got these green fences around the course, followed by, come on, somebody knows I'm telling the truth, followed by lots of bamboo. So getting a harpoon with a 20-foot bamboo is not, that doesn't seem good. But there is a main entrance. There's a gate that opens up, and, and I could go in the main entrance, and I could just walk up to the guard and say, hey, bruh, let me in. But... Newsflash, I'm not getting in. And, and, and this is what's frustrating. If I had a million dollars, y'all are like, no, dumb. If you had a million dollars, they would let you in. They wouldn't. They don't need it. In the last five years, they've not even charged their members dues because they got so much money. So Jesus let me be a member because I don't have the money, but they don't have to pay, right? So they're not worried about your money. They're not worried about your stuff. You've got to have a person that, that is a member to get in. Otherwise, no matter money, no matter influence and stuff and whatever, you can't get in just because you're you. And this is interesting because it's very familiar with, with what we believe about Jesus. 
no matter how important I am, no matter how much stuff I have, I can only have access through him. And so, so all of us can probably think of stuff that we would like to go to, but it does not matter who you are or how important you are. You've got to know the right person to get through the gate, to have access. In the very first encounter Jesus had with money, Jesus has entered Jerusalem. They've, they've gotten these palm branches, and they've been shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the coming king, and it's awesome, and praise the Lord. And everybody is thinking, this is the guy. Finally, God's kingdom is coming. This is amazing. The first thing he does on Monday morning, it says he goes in the temple. Look at this in Matthew chapter 21. It says, and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he's flipping these tables over, overturning the tables of the money changers. Everybody say money changer. And the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he has cleaned this place out. And then he starts teaching. And, he, and what he did here was he just quoted a passage from Jeremiah and from Isaiah. He just said, isn't it written that my house is called a house of prayer? So why is it that you've made this a den of robbers? Now, if you were here last week or you got to watch online, last week we talked about thief. Thief is someone that is stealth. Robber is someone that is in plain sight. They're not trying to hide from you. That matter of fact, when you go into Costco now, it looks like we got a bunch of robbers, right? Because everybody's got a mask on. You can't get into Costco without a mask on. And so, so all of us have kind of looked like playing this part with our bandanas, right, to make sure that COVID don't enter. But this is someone that doesn't even try to hide it. This is someone that's letting you know, I'm stealing from you. So, so this is fascinating because the first time that you see, after this Holy Week starts, the first time you see money has nothing really to do with money on the surface, but then when you dig deep a little bit, one layer you can begin to see it has everything to do with the way that we handle money. It's crazy. It's crazy. Because the goal here is access, but here's some things that y'all need to know about access. So back in the day, the only way you could enter the temple, watch this, don't miss this, is if you were Jewish, if you were Jewish, and if you use Jewish currency and then to enter God's holy place to make the once a year sacrifice that happened around Passover, you had to either kill, this says pigeons, but it was actually, <laughs> this is such a bad joke, two turtle doves, <laughs> two turtle doves and a, nope. All right, you had to either kill two pigeons or a lamb. And, and, and the Bible says in, in Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness. So they understood that I have to bring these pigeons to the high priest. You didn't kill them. He killed them for you. And then for the year, you were atoned for or your sins, the, the price was paid. So these money changers were doing what they were supposed to do on the surface. Someone had to sell you pigeons if you were poor, turtle doves, or a lamb if you were wealthy, unless you had your own. And then you could bring your own. But most people didn't have pigeons laying around. And lambs, because they had other jobs and responsibilities, so they would come. And each year at Passover, they would come to make the sacrifice. Now, here's the problem. Herod had made the temple that, that Solomon had made much bigger and much more elaborate. And it became a rite of passage for people to come see Herod's temple. And people from all around the world would come, and they would use their, their Roman currency, not the Jewish currency, and go to the exchangers to get some Jewish currency so then they could go those, to those who sold it and, and buy it. Now, now these people were thieves because they jacked up the price of the animals, but these were the real dirty dogs. 
Because they were taking people that had no business to go in the temple whatsoever. And the currency was four and five times greater than it should have been. So, like, when you go to another country and you walk up, you've got green American currency. And you say, I want whatever country it is. I want to get euros and I want to get the Canadian dollar, whatever it is. Imagine if it's one to one, you get one to a quarter. And what you get back is a quarter of what should be a dollar or ten cents and a dime what should be a dollar. But they did it because they thought this is the only way I can enter in, so I'm going to do it. And they took illegal access to go into a place they never should have been. And these people were robbing people blind and smiling the whole way. And yet they would quote scripture and make it sound like they were doing a good thing. And they were, it was vile and awful and disgusting. Because there's really only one legal way to enter the temple. But the money changers, everybody say money changers. One more time. The money changers. They were the ones that were really given legal access because if they had never exchanged the money in the first place and then sold to the people that they were not supposed to sell to, then the pure nature of what God's word says could have stayed true. But they just made it to where you can enter, come, make a rite of passage. You don't have to be one of us. You can be anybody. There's not just one way. There's any way as long as we get money. And it was dirty. Now, here's what I thought was so interesting about this word. In the Greek, this word has a specific meaning. And when you look at the, when you look at the root word for it, it means the same thing as what the word salve, S-A-L-V-E means. All that was, was before they had cataract surgery, they used this weird white powder that they would mix with water. You put it on your eyes. It turned to almost like paper mache is what it would be described like now. Because it's, it's like a clay, but it's even harder than that. And you had to leave it on your eyes for a couple days. After that was over, cataracts almost always would go away. It would heal blindness. It was a miracle. And so it was, it was commonly used. And they called these people that same thing because they thought we're getting access so we can see if we talk to these people. It was literally the word for them. But the reality is they were causing people that could potentially see to become blind. They had the opposite effect. And so for many of us, we've wanted access into places, but what we've ended up dealing with is, is we've tried to get through and we've been blinded. Look at what Jesus said. These are Jesus' words in Revelation chapter 3 to the church of Laodicea. He said, you say, listen, I'm rich. Now, some of y'all wouldn't say you're rich, but in this context, you would because your attitude toward God is, I'm cool with testing out God and seeing what he's like, but I've, I've got stuff so I just need God to maybe give me some more stuff, maybe give me some of this, but I don't know if I want God to have all of me because that just seems weird. So God, will you come fix my problems and come help me because when things are good, I don't really need anything. Not realizing that we're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Watch, this is what he says. Money. He says, I tell you to buy from me gold refined by fire. This is gold that's been through the fire, back up, the impurities have come out, back up, and a great refiner would want to see his reflection in the gold. You are compared to that in the Bible. I am compared to that in the Bible. The reason you go through fire, difficulties, when it's not a temptation, listen, is so that, so that by testing, you can prove what is in you, not because God's mad at you. And it's through this refining. He says, I want you to buy this gold from me, not from those money changers. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself of the shame and the nakedness so people may not see it. 
and the salve, you see that word? That's the same word for money changers, to anoint your eyes so you may see. Because you've tried this access. You've tried to come and you've, you've met with money changers and you've done these things, but that's illegal access. You can't get in that way. But if you do it my way, your spiritual blindness, the insight that you have will go from no sight to insight. You'll be able to see what I see. The problem is all of us have eyeballs that I can see in this room. I don't, I'm not making fun at all. I don't believe that I see any people that are legally blind or, or truly blind. So we can all see what is in front of us. But most of us can't perceive what God's called us to. So as a result, we try to find the people that can speak into our lives and do the right thing. And, and then we have voices that are coming in our head all over the place. And many of them are what the Bible calls blind guides. That is not a guide for blind people. That is the blind leading the blind. That is, that is me allowing someone to speak into my life what I believe is life, but it's actually causing me to look in places that are illegal for me to go. They're not mine. Because this is something that's obvious. This isn't like a bomb that y'all are going to go, oh my gosh. Most of us gain access through doors or gates, right? When you want to go in somewhere, you got to go through a... Say it loud. Right? When, I, when, when, when something seems blocked off and I have a desire to get in, like I said, Augusta, I can climb a fence or I can go through the front gate. In the original language of the Bible, that's the same word, gate and door. And I want you to see how Jesus described, watch this, himself when it comes to access. This is about him, not about you. This is about Jesus. This is like me saying, I want y'all to know about me. This is who I am to you. But this is Jesus talking. Look at this. John 10. Someone say illegal access. access. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the the sheepfold by the, say the word. Say it loud. By the door. He who gains entrance or tries to get access another way but climbs in another way. That man is a thief and a robber. Isn't that interesting? He called the money changers and he called the people that were selling robbers. He said, those people are this. But he who enters or gains access by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He's talking about himself. He said, to him, the gatekeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice and they call and he calls, excuse me, his sheep by name. That is so huge, y'all. That is so huge. Shannon has sung the song before. He knows my name, right? He knows your name. It's a Tasha Cobb song. If y'all don't know it, y'all should look it up. But this is a picture of that. He said, the, the shepherd, which is Jesus, knows your name. He calls you by name. And he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Pause right here. My house is a house of prayer. How do I know if I'm going through the right doors, if I've got the right access, if this is me? Because you hear his voice, and you follow him. This is what prayer is. Prayer is just exchange, me and God. Prayer is not me making a list, listen to me, and telling God all of my lists that I want. Are y'all awake? It's not bad to 
present your request to God. As a matter of fact, he said that, but if that's the only thing I do in prayer, then when am I listening? My mama used to say, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? During prayer, if I never take time to put worship music on and walk around and pray in the spirit and listen, then why am I praying? It's, a, it's an imaginary friend that I just need to talk to that cat and, and just guess he's listening or she's listening or whatever my imaginary friend is because it's no different if I'm not listening. He absolutely speaks to us through his word, but the Bible does not say, yes, you should buy your house. Are y'all awake today? So if you want to know if you should buy your house and you read the Bible, I don't think you're going to find it. And if you do, yeah, you're reading it weird. But, but he shows up by speaking to us in our minds with a simple thought, with a still small voice. If you want to know if God's talking to you, ask yourself, is that something I naturally would do on my own? Can I, can I test it with scripture? And once you do, you can know just because you ate Mexican last night, it's not just a bad burrito. Come on, somebody. He talks to you. And we should know his voice. Am I, am I going into places illegally? Are you listening to him? Keep going. But a stranger, they won't follow because they'll flee from him. Why? They don't know his voice. This is so cool about she sheep. I got to keep going, but y'all got to hear this. Sheep are like my kids. Hey, Lainey. She's right over there. If we're in the middle of a gym that is packed and I go, this is what you'll see them do. Yes, sir. Some of y'all have seen it before. And people are like, how did you do that? Because my sheep hear my voice. And they come to me. And that, this is so cool that you learn in Israel. Each shepherd has their own weird call. Like, something weird like that. Y'all can laugh. It's funny. But you're watching this group of sheep come and the rest of the sheep stay. And you're like, how did they do that? Because the sheep know his voice. Not the rest of their voices. Let's keep going. They won't follow the other sounds. Why? Because it's not their daddy. Come on, somebody. Look at what verse 8 says. Everyone, all that came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Why? Because this is Jesus. I am the door. I'm the door. Now, a few verses later, he says, I'm the good shepherd. But right here, he says, I'm the gate that you want access to. I'm the door. And if anyone enters, someone say enter. That's what we want. We don't just want to know about access. We want to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. First step, praise God. We're saved. But if that's all God wanted, we get saved and then morph to heaven. Salvation means that you have a place in heaven for all of eternity. If you do not know Jesus, heaven is not your eternal destination. Hell is. Because we're cast out without Jesus. But he says, and then you'll be able to go in and out and find pasture. That word is so cool because it means increase. It means increase. People are scared to preach increase because they think it makes you into a name it, claim it, prosperity gospel preacher. I got news for all of them. Jesus said he wants to prosper you and not harm you. But not your way. So if you focus on the prosper, if you focus on the blessing or trying to obtain something, you don't realize it's promised to you if you go in and out of his pasture. 
The Lord is my shepherd, good shepherd. He's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green. Dang, the Bible seems to work together. <laughs> it's crazy. God wants to bless you beyond what you can believe. Watch, to accomplish his goal, his purpose, his plan for your life. And everything, everything that I'm supposed to have to accomplish his will is stored up, the Bible says, in the heavenly places. That I receive what he has for me by doing it his way and entering his gates. But when I try to do it on my own or I try to find an exchange, that stuff seems a little crazy. That seems a little much. I'll go find another money changer and I'll try to do it a different way. Let me tell you what happens. Y'all lean in with me. What happens is the gate opens because we do have an enemy and his name is Satan, the devil. And he is a liar and he is real. He is not God's enemy. Sin, Mark's flesh, that is God's enemy. Satan's been defeated, but he's the prince of the power of the air and the king of this world. So he offers me gates every day. What is a temptation, Mark? I get tempted all the time to sin. What is a temptation? It's an access point that gets put in front of me. But I'm the one that chooses to step forward and the door's open. I'm the one that chooses to take it. But this is the problem with that. It, it comes with friends. Some of y'all have been angry with your spouse all week long. But it's because you entered something you never should have entered. And you've been blaming everything else, but the reality is you, you've gone illegally and accessed things that weren't yours to access. And then you've been blaming mom and them, and the devil made me do it. But guess who did it? It was me. I chose to. If, if anybody wants to know why your feet were included in the full armor of God, are y'all with me? It's because my feet should only go where I have access to go. He did prepare, I said this earlier on accident, but it fits. He did prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Which means sometimes you're going to be facing things that you didn't decide to face, but God has a plan for it. But as soon as I open the door and say, screw this, bump all this, I ain't got to be nice to them. Why am I always the one doing the forgiving? If y'all had never said it, y'all are just better people than me. Come on, somebody. I don't, I don't understand. It's always me. Why is he always calling me? Because you know his voice, and they might not. And forgiveness doesn't come to other people a lot of times because it was supposed to go through you. I am preaching. If anyone enters by me, I need y'all to get this. You get to go in and out. You don't have to stay shut up in a room, quiet and scared. This is where the monks got it wrong centuries ago. They had a right idea with the wrong outcome because they shut themselves in hoping they could stay holy. God never planned to save you and keep you shut in. He said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. So let your light shine before men. So God's plan for me is a little bit different than every single person. But when I decide I can figure it out on my own and I can do it my way, I take the paintbrush out of the master painter's hand who has painted a tapestry longer than you can imagine that is called humanity. And in that tapestry, I'm just one little stroke of the brush or I'm one little section 
but I don't like the color. I don't like the outcome. I don't like the male-female side. I wish I was something else. I wish I was this. And so we take the brush from his hand and we say, I know you're the potter and I'm the clay, but I wish I was a little bit less round. Come on, somebody. I wish... Now I'm really preaching about me. I wish I was something else. So, so let me change it up. And what, what happens is we illegally try to force our way into what we're not. And we don't get to resolve this equation. Did you know that you were the answer to an equation? That God chooses to use you as part of his master plan. And whenever I say, I'm not, that's beneath me. Jesus is the one that said, I came to serve and not be served and give my life as a ransom. And so we thumb our nose at our heavenly father. And then we say, I don't like access there. I'll choose my own way. Because what the sheep knew is, the only way I got to go in and out with pasture is by hopping over the door. And some of y'all might remember this when I did Psalm 23 a while ago, years ago. But there was not an actual door. The shepherd would lay in the door. And he is where I find pasture in and out. And if Jesus isn't the center, if he's not the first, if he's not what I'm seeking every day, then I am living an illegal lifestyle. I may be saved, but then I've gone out and I've listened to the wrong voices. And I'm lost. My soul is eternally saved, but my life is wandering lost aimlessly. Because there's only one way to legal access, and it's Jesus. And that does begin in salvation, but it also continues every day of your life. Because if Jesus isn't the center, if he's not first in, in your mind, in your heart, in your thoughts, then you'll look up, like I preached on last week, and say, how did I end up here? And it's because your affection is to gain things. This is a spirit, y'all, the spirit of mammon. Jesus said you can't serve God and money, but it's really mammon, it's, it's things. And the things that I believe you'll gain for what your purpose is will end up being what is your God. And, and most people would look, watch it online and in the room, and they would say, well, that's not my God. Am I allowed to take it from you? If you, I mean, if, if your truck, if your car, if your house, if your boat is so important, that if I ask you for it, I'm not going to ask you for it. It's not mine. Legit. But if you were asked to give it away and you could not, because it's the most important thing to you, you just wanted access to Jesus so he could give you things. But he said all these things will be added unto you. Just seek me first. I want to close with this. I think this is so cool, y'all. I just think the Bible's cool. I hope y'all like it because I do and you're going to hear it if y'all come here. But I, Hebrews put such a cool bow on today because in Hebrews 10, I'm going to read in the New Living. It says, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter. Everybody say enter. enter. Notice this doesn't say into a church or into a place that plays cool music. This says in heaven's most holy place. Oh my gosh. I get the chance because back in the day, those Jewish people could only enter on the Sabbath weekend and they didn't even get to go all the way in. They just got to get their sins forgiven. They knew that if they prayed right outside of here in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, that that's where God's Spirit lived. But guess where God's Spirit lives today because of Pentecost? In you. 
And heaven's most holy place gets to show up right here. Not in this building, but when we are gathered, and in the same chapter, we don't forsake the gathering of the saints. And a few verses later, something amazing happens because his spirit rises up. But in my car, no matter where I go, that's where heaven's place can come. Why? Because I have access through the blood of Jesus. Because without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness. But throughout the Bible, there's pictures of a lamb that's being slain. Abraham was about to slay Isaac, and it was replaced with a lamb. And then the Jewish people are about to die and kill a lamb and put the blood on the, over the doorpost, and the death angel skipped over each one of those houses. And then throughout the Bible, you can see picture after picture. But listen, John the Baptist declared, Behold! The lamb who takes away the sins, not of a nation, not of a people, not of just one person each year, but the sins of the world. And because I can enter because of the blood of Jesus by his death, he opened access, a new life-giving way through the curtain. Did y'all know that to go in the most holy place, it was a two-foot-thick curtain? that you entered the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is finished, the Bible says an earthquake happened and the curtain tore in half and fell. Imagine being there and going, oh my gosh, if you touch that thing, you die. No, 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 no. Stephen, now it's in you. It's now in you, Wade. It's now in you. It's now inside of you. The most holy place is no longer a place that if I touch the ark, I die. But I'm going to put it inside of you because the curtain is torn and now the veil is removed from my eyes and I can have life. I can have insight. I have access points to a relationship with Jesus in the most holy place. Why should you not defile yourself? Not so God doesn't get mad at you, but because this is the residency of the Holy Spirit of God. And since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. Access. With sincere hearts, fully trusting. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. The death angel will not come to my house. Why? Because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And then he cleanses our bodies by washing it with pure water. And so that, that blindness that I had, the salve of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit has entered. And that money changer had an exchange. And no longer am I dead, but I'm alive in Christ Jesus. Now the, the washed water has made my eyes not see with physical eyes, but be able to have insight to what he's called me to do. But this is the only way. There's no other access points. There's not lots of exits to get to this place. It's only through Jesus. So friend, listen to me. I don't care how much church you go to. This is me walking up to Augusta saying, I got a million dollars, can I get in? But you can have a billion billion. You can have more money than has ever existed on planet Earth. God is no respecter of person. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He don't need your money. God made it, and he'll have it again, and he does not need anything that I have to offer him. But he gives me access when I say, I surrender. You know why the Bible says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom than, a, than it is a camel 
to enter the eye of a needle? It's because a camel had to get down on all fours and be pushed through. Humility is not a mindset that comes one day because you're like, all right, God, you're better. It's a heart change that you live under and say, you must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. For many of us in this room, we've had a head encounter with God, but our hearts have never been rescued and we live in the tyranny of illegal access. The thief has killed, stealed, and stolen and destroyed because we've let him. He has no access where you don't give permission. So I'm here to put a flag in the ground, metaphorically, and to say no more. No more access. No more access in the upstate. No more access in our area. No more access in this country. Because we will be led by the Spirit of God, not just one time unto salvation, but each day. We will have access into the holy places of God. And everything that He has promised us will be given, not so that we can brag about how much we have, but so that we can point everyone to the God who is greater than all things. But y'all listen, I believe in this room, there's honestly people that don't know Jesus. Like if you died right now and you stood before God, you may say, I attended Four Points Church for a while. But he would look at you and say, it's not about that. And the Bible literally says, I'm gonna quote it, depart from me, worker of iniquity. You're not a worker of iniquity any more than I am. But the difference between me and you is I've been granted access into the heavenly places for eternity and for today. And it's only through Jesus. So I just want to know, have you made him Lord? And if you heard last week, it's just a repeat of that. You have to declare it, which means I've come to conclusion in my mind that you're Lord and then believe it in the deepest parts of you that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And if that's you, the Bible says you will be saved. Online, you will be saved. So I just want to know this in this room. I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not going to take forever. I just want you to bow your heads right where you sit and just honestly acknowledge, Mark, you're talking to me. Just by slipping your hand up and once I say I see you, you can put it right back. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know, is there anybody in this room that will say, Mark, I feel like you're talking straight to me. I need to be saved. Thank you, buddy. Who else? Come on. Who else is bold enough? We had one go first. Is there anybody else bold enough to say, Pastor Mark, right now I need Jesus, man. I need Jesus to rescue me. To rescue me. Hey, stand to your feet right where you are. Listen to me. Everybody stand to your feet. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. We're about to go into worship, but I want everybody to help our brother who raised his hand. Can we do that together? Can we celebrate? Come on. I believe what the Bible says. That if, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. So together, I want to I say this as loud as we were worshiping a minute ago. And I want everybody to hear that Jesus is Lord at home. Don't pray it to yourself. Pray it out loud. Come on. Make it a declaration. Everybody say, Jesus, I believe that you died, that you rose again, and that you're seated. On God's right hand, I give you my life. You are my Savior and my Lord. And today, I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate that Jesus is Lord in this place.
Thank you, Jesus. To the young man that raised his hand in here and to any of you watching online, this is what I want you to do. And I don't care if you raise your hand. God doesn't save your hand. He saved your heart. Side note. If you prayed it and meant it for the very first time, will you text this number, 864? You'll see it on the screen. 606-3600. 864-606-3600. Text the word alive. We're not going to give you spam. We're not going to overwhelm you. We want to help you. We'll just send you some information and help you begin to take your first steps. So get your phone out now and text that number, 864-606-3600. If you don't have a phone, if you don't have a phone, come talk to us at the very end at the back. Daniel, will you wave at him? Wave. If y'all talk to Daniel on the way out the door and you don't have a phone, he'll help you and get your information. Now, for everybody in the room, here's what I want. Let's make this last song. It's such a good song. Oh, my goodness. Can we just make this a declaration of war against our enemy? That we will not enter in places that we don't belong. That no longer will we invite the tyranny of the devil and his minions, his demons in our homes. Because where one leaves, seven returns in its place is what the Bible says. I'm sweeping them out. Come on. Come on. So we're making a declaration that it's his way or the highway. Come on, somebody. So let's just stand and sing these before you spoke a word. Before you spoke a word. We surrender it to Jesus. Come on, everybody. Let's just sing.